I really appreciate this conversation over my second tea, guys. Well, I'm drinking tea too. My, my delicious microwave tea. Maybe you drink your tea with barf. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know your life. Jen drinks barf tea. <laughs> barf tea. <laughs> um, if that's what you want to call PG tips, um, you just insulted a, a whole a nation of people. The P sounds for puke and the G sounds for greatness. Puke greatness. Puke greatness. That's tips. that's my rap name. Puke greatness. Puke puke greatness. Rap God, I love hip hop forms. <laughs> we, we should have some on this podcast. Hey, edit those in. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're just gonna edit you doing it. <laughs> I love hip hop forms so much. They're so stupid. It's the best. God damn it. Oh, oh Shaheen, are you going to wrangle us or are we just going to go on a sound effects wonderland I'm still waiting for like a good juicy like uh, cold open. That No, that was it. Right that was there. it. The, the, just Jen being a rap air horn. <laughs> I mean. No, but wait, Shaheen, what about. Oh, shit. Hold on. I have to, like, unmic myself? God damn it. My joke failed. Hold on. Why? What happened? Well, because it it won't record. Where's my phone? What the fuck? Oh, there it is. Everything's fine. Hold on. Hold on. I've got this for a joke. Hold on. God damn it. Oh, oh you, have, uh, you have sound effect maker on your phone, too? Uh, I, I have rapairhorn.com. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's instant rap air horn. Wait, is it going to work? Hold on, let me turn it up. Here we go. I love it so much. I don't know why. It's so funny. All right, there's your cold open, Shaheen. Hello everybody, welcome to May We Geek Again. My name is Shaheen. Count us in. This is gonna be fun. No, we'll just use this. Fuck it. It's just us laughing at Shaheen. This is pretty brand. Go ahead, sorry. Oh man. Um So welcome if you're the first time listener. Sorry. Really, sorry. Thank you for Why tuning are you in. Here? This is awesome. And if you are a returning fan. We appreciate your loyalty and thank you for listening. He's a way nicer and host everyone than I am. Here is yeah, so I this is this is terrible. Um so I am joined today by my lovely co-host jo- uh, Joe. Hi. And all-time friend OG podcast crew Jen. Hello everybody. <laughs> OG3 back in the house. I have no idea what they're laughing at. I don't know. Um, at this point, it's just... Wanna... Yeah, I'm just going Welcome, with it. everyone, to this podcast. You guys are awesome for listening. Thank you so much. And we talk about the 100 most of the time. We talk about other things. Um, you can find us on iTunes, uh, Maybe Geek Again. Um, and you can email us at maybegeekagain at gmail.com. Has anyone ever emailed us? 
you don't I, you ha- don't it's your email account joe <laughs> <laughs> why are you asking people who we're mostly on twitter um joe is on twitter yeah, I'm on Twitter being wild. Like, somehow, like, I got into, like, a three-day pizza discussion. Like, the Twitter account is a fucking disaster. <sighs> it is. A, it is a disaster. And it's it's you. It's your fault, Joe. I mean, oh, yeah. No. I, there's no one else to blame. I mean, I remember when I was posting to it, it actually had some semblance of, of like, professionalism. Did it, though? Kind Jen is mainly here to remind us how awesome the podcast used to be when exactly. she was on it. <laughs> like, okay, um, so the Twitter was far less gay when I was running it. Well, yeah, because you were far it's just less gay. That's why, that's why your stocks are going down. No, I don't actually have no idea. How <laughs> I've got, you know, I've gotten a couple of you know important retweets, but for the most part, yeah, it's just a disaster with like five people who follow us. So yeah, <laughs> no, that's not true. Our Twitter account is fun. <laughs> you don't go even go on, Twitter, go on Twitter. What I mean? Oh my gosh! I do go on Twitter sometimes whenever um, Joe is posting my cat's pictures. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> so anyway, everybody, welcome to <laughs> Cat Talk. Cat Talk. Cat pe- Chat. Pizza rolls and uh... dick jokes. Dick jokes. Dick jokes. So what's everyone drinking? Um, um I'm drinking water. Coke Zero. Oh, water. All right. Yeah, because well, I get thirsty. We all get our intoxication otherwise. I mean, technically, it's not a toxin, uh, but anyway. Did you just well actually yourself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So. Cool. I'm drinking tea. What, what episode are we talking about today, Shaheen? I'm drinking tea. Oh, sorry. And uh, yeah. How did you brew this tea? Now that Jenna's on the oh. pod, I feel like we should probably... Oh, sweet. No, can we just not talk about how I don't brew tea properly and how it takes Shaheen like an hour to brew a proper cup of, of tea? For real. Like, we already... So, okay, can we not talk about it and then you talk about it? Um, that was it. Jen... That was it. Yeah. People are drinking tea. Jen, Jen brews tea brews wrong. Tea Shaheen sometimes brews tea correctly. I, cool. <laughs> I, I have a whole system that, you know, it's how everyone brews tea in the Middle East. So, okay. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about episode one, season five, uh, Eden, written by Jason Rothenberg. It took forever to get to this point. I'm, I, 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 I hope new fans just... They shut this off like five minutes ago. Oh, no. I meant to get back to the hiatus, like from the hiatus. Like, oh. no, no. Shaheen's going to cut down all of this fucking intro where we just ramble for 30 minutes. Sorry, listeners. But yes, I meant the hiatus took a long time. But yes, getting to this point in the podcast also took a long time. So thank you for sticking with us on your arduous journey. It's, it hasn't listeners. been that long since we actually like called in. You guys have just been talking about couches and stuff for a while. God damn it, Shaheen. Move us along. (laughs) So what is everyone's overall takes? Well, I'll go first. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't see you pointing to one of us, Shaheen. So, you know. um, Well, okay. So Jen says the pacing is iffy. So maybe um, you can explain that to us. Because I think I agree that there was, I think we all probably agree the pacing was yeah go ahead. Well, I don't know. I mean, if if 
we have the same impression of, about why the pacing was iffy. But um, I really liked the first 45 minutes of it. Um, I like the character Wasn't the episode work. 45 minutes long? Well, I'm speaking within the context of an hour's worth of television. I see. So I need to do some math to actually figure so out. So when you're actually watching it on live TV, as all fans should, in I order see. to um, affect the ratings, mm-hmm. um, the first 45 minutes were pretty much dedicated to Clark's journey and to Space Crew. Um, and then, uh, you know, 15 minutes before the end of the show, here comes the Allegis ship, Um and things started going fast and furious as they usually do with 100. But what I didn't like about it is that I really was kind of luxuriating in the character work that was being done, both with the Clark stuff, um, with the introduction of Maddie, and also Space Crew. I really, really enjoyed that whole that whole scene. And then Ali just kind of crashed my party when it came to just... I, I just wanted a little bit more of that let the show breathe a bit, um, and then let's get into a cliffhanger maybe in the last two minutes of the, of the episode. You know, I don't know if that pacing would have worked better, but that's just my own personal uh, picadillo about the episode. I mean, I think that what's what could be said about this is um, there was actually an article that came out recently talking about how um, these shows that are doing, like, longer-than-usual episodes, like your Westworlds, your um, Walking Deads or whatever, um, that, you know, season premieres and scenes from finales and stuff like that, they're making them much, much longer. And the argument there was that it was, quote unquote, the man spreading of, of pr- uh, prestige TV. But on the flip side of that, you have something like The 100 where, yes, we are used to this breakneck sort of pace. And so to get an episode that does let you breathe, we're kind of like scrambling, wanting a little bit more of that because it's so unusual. Um, but then, yeah, they kind of did have to return to form so that, you know, they could have a very exciting, you know, smash cut to credits uh, at the very end. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I agree compared to how fast the story normally moves on this show. And and I bet it's going to move fast uh, the rest of the season. Um, we'll see. This episode is pretty, you know, kind of super slow. I mean, apart from the six-year time jump that we did get in the middle of the episode, which, again, like, I I think to your point, Jen, um, in, in your review, like, I would have liked to have seen more of Clark and Maddie. Like, I, I'm sold on their relationship. Like, I mm-hmm. get it. It's great. Like, I'm not going to question it as much as necessarily that we didn't get to see or get anything beyond a bit of, you know, heavy-handed exposition between... Um, you know, stuff with space crew and especially with uh, the Becco of it all, which we'll talk about later. Um, but that, you know, we get, I, I believe the Clark and Maddie relationship. That said, like, there's so much, like, nice, as, as Shaheen always likes to say, world building that could have happened that we could have seen and that would have given us, like, even more. But I get that it's not, like, the Clark and Maddie show. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned my review earlier. Um, and you could, and listeners, you can find that at declareshenanigans.com where I do reviews of the hundred every single week. Um, uh, and, 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 uh, called, called by Adina Porter, um, the, the actress who plays Indra. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're the best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just, just putting that out there. Just, just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, she is a delight on Twitter and I cannot believe her patience. Yeah. Uh, I, I love I love uh, the way she interacts with, with fans on Twitter. I mean, sometimes she's a little too dry, I think, for some fans to get. Um, 
but dry is a nice way of putting that. their dumminess but sure okay she's too smart for something <laughs> um hey everybody <laughs> hey everybody um but i felt there were these huge kind of gaps in clark's story that i wanted to see that i was looking forward to seeing namely the kind of the day the moments or the days after she she uh basically collapsed on the floor of the lab. I wanted to see a recovery from that. Right, like waking up on like the floor and being like, oh, I've bled everywhere, but I'm still alive. Yeah, and I'm just a blistery mess of a human being. And then the whole Maddie thing, the 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 cut from Maddie picks up the, you know, the young little feral Maddie picks up the picture that Clark drew, and then it cuts to Maddie uh, driving the rover. Um, I, I thought there was a lot of liberty taken there that I would love to see some things filled in at least. Do you think we'll get more flashbacks or that that's all that we're going to get? I think that might be all that. that we get. And so so if the premise is, and Jason has said that the, the said it himself, that if this is the most important relationship in Clark's life now, and if you think about it, uh, it's the longest relationship mm-hmm. that Clark has had with anyone other than her mother or father or perhaps Wells, we are we are being trusted we are being entrusted with a lot of faith that we are going to get uh the relationship between these two and kind of see the the bond between them though i will say that the 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 bear trap sort of evil child stuff did (laughs) rocket that sort of ahead because it instantly made us sort of fall on maddie's side in a way (laughs) of just like fuck yeah this crazy ass little six-year-old like destroying this grown-ass adult um you know, but but yeah, like more of, okay, well, we've gone from total distrust to I've seen, you know, Clark drew a cute picture of me. Now we're going to start. Like, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that, like, building yeah. of that trust. And and I think that in, in our past discussions on this podcast, um, we all have mentioned that, that there have been pacing issues throughout the seasons mm-hmm. and throughout episodes where... Uh, as an audience, we are asked to do a lot of the kind of headcanoning heavy work um, to get from point A to point Z without seeing anything in the middle. Um, and I think it's, I, I think we're at the point now where we just kind of go, well, I mean, right. that's kind of what the show is. They've always had pacing issues because they need to move the plot forward um, and balance the character stuff out at the same time. It's just, I think that, we could have seen a little bit more of, I, I mean, I, I think they were very courageous with what they did in this this premiere and the way they started it for 20 minutes being just solely on Clark. And I do believe it was shown um, without commercial interruption in that first 20 minutes mm. because I didn't, I, I, I don't recall being angry <laughs> yeah. being taken out of the moment. Um, but they could have done a little bit more um, if they were, you know, if this is going to be a key relationship for season five, like you need to, you need to show me why it's such a key relationship. Well, I think that this would have been a great episode to have done, you know, a, an episode where I would not have minded like an extra five or 10 minutes of story, like uh-huh. within the episode, but the CW is never going to do that. No, and I have I have fundamental issues with that man spreading article. Okay. Um like we are kept in this art in this very tight it has to be an hours worth of entertainment thing just because that's the structure of how TV well, has always been. I think been. the argument in that though was that a lot of times these episodes are running long for fucking what? 
Well, yeah, I do. I do agree with that. I think prestige television has a little bit of a self awareness issue, thinking that it's a little bit more important than perhaps it is. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say that that the Westworld premiere is probably um, uh, guilty of that. It was a little too kind of self serving. Um, but I also think that you know why do we have to be kept within this this arbitrary boundary of an hour? Um, like that's not what entertainment is anymore. And if a show wants to man spread a little bit and they do it well, <laughs> then I'm not going to begrudge it. Like, is anyone sitting there telling us that uh, Atlanta, which runs about 41 minutes every single week, um, is a lesser show because it has that breathing room? I don't think that Atlanta would be as good if it didn't have all of that room to tell its story. Wait, but the hundred is 40 minutes. 40, what does it run? Usually 44? Yeah. 42, 44. 44 I don't know. I'd, I'd have to take a look um, on Amazon where I, where, I, where I have all the episodes. So do you um, think that they made good use of those 40 minutes, though? Um, like the first 20 minutes where Clark is alone. Um, so is it just an issue we wanted more or did we want also less of some other things or or what? Because like the tra- the, the journey of Clark being the last person on earth um, was, I like the idea of it being Clark being the only person in the world and her descent into madness. Um, I like it when you do that, when they do that, I liked it when they did it with Murphy. I liked it in that, uh, in the season in, um, in episode five of season one of the walking dead, um, where that guy, that scientist guy goes crazy. I like that, that, whole trope but um it somehow wasn't special enough like they just went through the checklist of you know how someone is depicted as going crazy when they're alone and surviving on their own um it wasn't really specific to clark i don't know i think i i even thought i liked murphy's version better and it was much shorter so like if they could have shown something like murphy going crazy over those three months um something like that for Clark and then got more we got and then we could say we could get what you guys wanted which is more uh Clark and Maddie I don't think that it was her like I I would like to separate her sort of going quote-unquote going crazy versus Murphy's because Murphy was also trapped in a very small space and had like no additional extra stimuli Mm -hmm. um beyond watching that tape of Becca um, you know, or Becca's handlers or not Becca, um, Allie's handlers the whole time. Um, so I think that his going crazy and also not knowing if he was ever going to get out is very different than sort of Clark's breakdown, you know, to, to sort of possibly possible suicide. Um, that said, like, I almost kind of wish, and I know that they wouldn't have done this because they really did want to push the Allegius crew, but I feel like that the episode could have totally worked without sort of seeing the like i mean i love that we got to see them but in the interest of giving a little bit more um sort of a little bit more with clark and maddie's story and then honestly like more with uh with space crew and sort of not having to rely on this really sort of clunky exposition um dialogue um to give us a little bit more backstory with that and then end with holy fuck what's happening in the bunker um or you know, I don't know. Like, I- would you be willing to sacrifice some of the um, some of the first part of the episode for that though? Get um, get less no, of Clark no, being alone I, no. on her own and get more of the stuff that you said. No, I think it was super important to see all of that. 
I think I think there's kind of like a, a dual purpose to that whole twenty minutes at the beginning with with Clark on her own. It's obviously it's Clark's story, um, and it, I think the the first twenty minutes I think had the dual purpose of showing Clark's story, um, kind of her breakdown, her her desperation, but it was also a world rebuilding moment where they're reintroducing us to what this world looks like after Prime Fire, right. And the total desolation of what's out there, like it is, it established that there is nothing there except for Eden. There is there, there's no hospitable or livable land outside of Eden. Um, and, and I think that they established that really well, and it gave them the opportunity to explore some cinema, cinematographic things that they hadn't done before. Within Clark's walking distance, like it could be, there could be other patches of land that we don't know about. There could be, but I don't think that the show is setting us up for that. I think the show is setting us up for one. You've Eden. got this small patch of green that has limited resources. It's not necessarily thriving, but it is coming back. And you're going, and, and that's what you're going to be fighting over is that land and its resources um, that may not be able to sustain everybody, either on the Legion ship or from the bunker. So that's that's something to keep in mind as well. But so I think it was it was a really good uh, moment for them to re-swizzle the show a little bit and show us something that perhaps they were wanted to be more ambitious with the cinematography which Just i thought was it excellent. was amazing like it yeah. looked good the music was good for once i wasn't like taken out of the moment with the music mm-hmm. um because that was kind of one of my issues with with season four was a lot of um a instrumental choices and b just the mixing of it of like, oh yeah, the mixing was horrible. Was horrible. I feel year. like they really improved on that. Um, I actually, I actually called it out in a tweet, and Tree Adams liked it, and I was like, "Yay, good <laughs> job! I'm glad you, I'm glad you f- hope that made your day, sir." Um, but you know, it was, uh, it, it was an incredibly ambitious and beautiful and well done beginning of the episode, at the expense, I think, of the end of the episode. Yeah, it felt like it wanted to be something a little different in the, f- the first half of the episode, and then it got back to what it, it into its comfortable, this is the 100, this is what you're going to get, fast-paced, you know, drama. And, you know, I can't begrudge it for doing what it does best, but at the same time, you know, don't give me a taste of what it could be at times and then kind of yank it um, for the sake of moving the plot along only, so. I'll be okay with it if the rest of this season doesn't do a bunch of, like, doesn't have a bunch of bullshit filler episodes. Because that's kind of my issue with uh, a few shows in general, as well as on the CW, where you're like, your quality could be so much higher if you sort of didn't either try to spread yourself over too many episodes and, like, create all of these fillers, or, you know, kind of try to, which is something that The 100 does, which is try to, like, cram too much into into too few episodes. Yeah. So I'm curious kind of where, but, you know, everyone says, all of the early reviews are saying that, you know, the first four episodes are, you know, the best, uh, you know, sort of intro to a season. So maybe they've found a magic formula and we're just kind of, you know, looking for things to, like, kind of pick apart about the premiere. Because yeah. overall, I would say it was pretty fucking solid. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I, yeah, you said it's one of your favorites, Joe. Um, I wouldn't say that, yeah. but I, I would say it was probably one of my favorites in terms of like I mean it's like obviously better than the pilot, um, yeah. Because duh, uh, <laughs> season two I remember being a very strong starter. Season three was 
similar um, and good. And I think that this was a better execution of what they were kind of trying to show with season three. Um, and then season four, like we didn't get any breathing room. We just like picked up exactly from where we left off at the end of season three. So I think um, the combination of what they tried to accomplish, what they were able to accomplish, and then, you know, just sort of the the uptick in quality of production um, definitely sort of cemented it probably, you know, as number one or number two in terms of like quality season premieres on the hundred. All right. So we've already kind of uh, talked about, uh, we already kind of slid into discussing the Eden and Eligius stuff. Um, I would just say in terms of world building, as we were talking about how the one of the purposes of this first part of the episode is to show the new this set up the new world for us and this is kind of kind of something that every uh season premiere of the hundred does is kind of gives you the premises of that season here's how things are now and that's why it kind of feels weird a little bit in terms of pacing and and uh, the jumps you know there was a three month jump for season three and then there was like a six year jump in this one uh, it's just because they want to just give you the premises and, and, you know, it's just like, okay, here's now you have to work with. And then, you know, we go from there. Uh, but I would say um, the world building is, is in a way so important on this show, but it's also not really committed enough. I don't feel like everything that they uh, tease us with or set up, uh, set up that, that they actually follow through with and let unfold and, and, you know like unravel for us well like the most of the the world the world as we knew it is gone now like all of the stuff that i was excited on, about uh in the <laughs> everything you love about this show shaheen gone <laughs> like in the in the intro sequence i was you know obsessing over all those locations i thought they were going to visit some of them in season four maybe um you know the uh i don't know even how many people even know about this like the quarantine zone and the the capital city, all the stuff that was on the map of the hundred. I guess it doesn't matter anymore. And then we have Clark's map, and you know people are going nuts over Clark's map on Reddit, um, which is great. Like, you know, I I love doing that. But if if they're gonna just show us some names and don't show us anything more, then I kind of you know lose a little bit of incentive. So you just want like an episode of Clark road tripping across the apocalypse? Well. No, I just like want stopping, like new things to be photos. to unfold and for us to you know find out more and more about the world as they tease us with like Clark's map has all these locations that we have no idea what they are. Are they gonna go to those? You know, I, I don't think so. You know, I think it's just I think it's just kind of trying to reestablish you know the world, the size of it. But I mean, within their budget, they can't really do much outside of what they you know a couple locations i was amazed about what they could show again given sort of their budget in past you know episodes or whatever that we got to see things we got to see a desert we got to see like a like a burnt down forest we got to see you know eden we got to see quote unquote polis like i was kind of surprised actually by the amount of the world that we did see um but Mm -hmm. you know I, I i can understand wanting to see more um, but you know, again, this is, this is the show that we watch. It's not, you know, it's, it, it doesn't get to be Game of Thrones. They don't get to film in Ireland and, you know, South Africa and Spain and, you know, every other place, um, you know, and hang out at those locations for months at a time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you like the Clark shit, Joe, right? 
I mean, I feel like didn't everyone like the Clark shit? Yeah, I mean, she did a great job. She did, yeah, she did a really good job. Um, again, I think the show was pretty gutsy for putting one character or one yeah one actress on screen for twenty minutes and, and giving us her her journey. You know that that shows a lot of trust in Eliza Taylor as an actress. It shows a lot of trust that the audience is going to want to go on that journey with her. And I think you know. I, I liked how we were reintroduced back into this world. She won't get any sort of recognition for this. Like, no, of course not, because genre shows don't get recognition unless they are on HBO. And especially genre shows that are on CW. Yeah, I mean, if Carrie fucking Coon can't get an Emmy nomination uh, for The Leftovers... Uh, what hope does then, Eliza Taylor have? Yeah, Eliza on... Taylor's not going to gonna have i hope that like at least maybe she'll get like a saturn nom or something like this yeah i mean yeah you know it's good i think you know at the end of the day i'm not going to remember if she has any awards or not i'm going to remember her impact on the show and her growth throughout it as you know both a character and as an actress you know the accolades they are what they are but you know she's not she's not going to get anything from the mainstream which is fine we don't have to cater to the mainstream in order to have a great show. <laughs> I think it was interesting that they kind of re- keep re-dipping into the suicide as an option pool. But I, I don't think have it a was problem with it. Not Especially not in this episode. I was like, damn girl, I would have killed myself like way before. I, yeah, I would have been like, I got if I got out of the lab, I just looked around and be like, well, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made a good try. <laughs> Well, so, this didn't end well, so so it goes. Speaking like, of which, like this is—I yeah. don't know if this is well actually or whatever. Like, the how, what happened to all the lakes and rivers and 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 the sea? And I the, don't like, know. They, how did everything? Like, did turn they dry into up? Desert? Yeah, I feel like the idea was—and this is this is me explaining the quote-unquote uh, schmiants as uh, the Tony, one of the prop prop guys. Uh, who works on who also does work on Supergirl says that they they he's asked to build things with quote unquote schmitz uh-huh. which is if he if he sort make it make it look sciencey but like let's not be <laughs> let's not be too accurate about it so like i think like we were kind of meant to see that this is like you know hot enough to evaporate water but as well but also like destructive enough to like sweep the landscape so maybe like it was sweeping you know like it I guess dry like did it dry up the oceans? Is that what we're expected to believe as I well? I have no idea. Yeah. Like where does the water go? Well, I guess maybe it receded because it it was maybe dried up or, or boiled or whatever would happen. I don't know what happens with with radiation. Again, I I don't watch the show for its science accuracy. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I surprising. As you you when you think of Jen, you're like, yeah, she's super math and science. Um, <laughs> Ugh, humanities majors. <laughs> I mean, I think so. Here's the trade-off: the 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 visual of Clark looking out to what used to be the sea, and there's just kind of this ship laying on the on the what would be the ocean floor at mm-hmm. that point. It Again, looks really it cool. conveys it conveys the utter destruction the earth has gone through and the desolation i mean there's nothing like i said if i got out of the lab and i saw that shit i'd be like yeah um how many bullets i got left in my gun um and and i can't she just uh, doing it wrong too like that's not how you hold the gun when you want to commit suicide 
Oh, for fuck's sake, Shaheen. Oh, my God. Shaheen really? well actually is Clark's suicide. <laughs> Where's Bob's to take notes? Sorry, let's let's well actually... I see you have a note about some well actually shit in Polis. Oh, yeah. that's. Uh, I was going to talk about that after the break, I, I think, because like, we don't have a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, no, let's let's do that af- after the break, because we... I mean, we still got to talk about Maddie. Yeah. Our impressions of, of and yeah. our, little, that, our little murder scamp. The fact that this did nothing, like her introduction, like I am still on board with my aliens uh, parallels. Um, she looked just like Newt um, being found by Ripley after living, after being like six years old and living alone on this um, like space colony that had been taken over by aliens. But she managed, and I think that this is the key detail um, about Maddie that also mirrors with Newt is that these six-year-olds don't need an adult to take care of them. Like, they would have grown up into feral wild people, but (laughs) Maddie could have absolutely was taking care of herself, was feeding herself, you know, whatever. Um, Yeah, there was not a lot of personal hygiene work there, though. No, but neither did Newt. They both had this sort of, like, bushy hair, like, you know, hidden half in shadow uh, when they were found by their maternal figures. Well, it's not like they have Jonathan from Queer Eye to be like... (laughs) So one thing that I find interesting when you say... Hot oil. (laughs) Sorry, what? Sorry, one one thing that I find interesting, because we're supposed to think that they have... uh, that Clark has a maternal relationship to Maddie... But the way they talk to each other is kind of not Sibling? really mother and not really mother and daughter. It seems they're more like well, roommates. Well, I mean, we've I don't seen know. them. We've seen them for all of like two minutes together, um, and Clark does give Maddie her chores. Uh, it got really motherly when she started trying to save her and was like, "Okay, this is not up for discussion." Everything up to that point seemed like they're fake democracy and then clark is like this actually spoiler alert this is not a democracy maddie (laughs) um i mean as someone who is not maternal nor do i have any siblings um i did kind of read it as maybe like older like somewhere in between like kind of older sibling who has to watch out for their younger sibling in a very paternal way hint hint bellamy and octavia um, cause they're, they're being, they're being real obvious with those parallels, uh, especially with setting up Maddie and, and Octavia, like the hero worship that we got, um, mm-hmm. for, for Octavia, you know, obviously like that's some pretty, and they, they focused a lot on that. So I'm sure that that is going to kind of come back a lot. Yeah. That's, that's going to be an issue. Yeah. Like what, what issue do you see, Jen? Well, so I wrote about this in my review, which you can find on declareshenanigans.com. <laughs> <laughs> go on my reviews are the best <laughs> says uh dean porter um <laughs> you should just screen grab that and instead of and like use that as your header because like when you yelled at me for for taking over the twitter account and not making it too gay i just screen grabbed you yelling at me yeah about that. i mean it was just it was it's just and then you gated up like crazy um so the only way Maddie knows anybody from Clark's past life is through Clark's stories and, you know, the, the drawings she draws of them. So where is she getting art supplies? Like everything good. has been charcoal. destroyed. It's just charcoal. Yeah, but where where is one finding fine tip charcoal? 
I just think she probably trees. got some of that stuff at 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 Hippy Dippy uh, Shadow Valley, <laughs> right? Uh, There's tons uh, right. of Because those people, those people were like granola eating, uh, hippie. I mean, let's let's be honest. Those guys were just like listening to blues traveler oh, like, the whole God. time. Oh God, no hootie, a lot of hootie. Yeah, a lot of hootie, a lot of uh, Dave Fish. Matthews band. <sighs> oh my God, like the total jam band vibe uh, coming from those what is people. Was it String Cheese Theory? Is that is that one of them? Like, you know, am I sad that they're gone if they're jam band fans? <laughs> not really. Not. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine if Clark had, like, found the Shadow Valley sign, and then in the distance she, like, heard, like, the faint rumblings of a drum circle, and she was like, you know what? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Go back out to the desert and just die. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather have that buzzard eat my Than listen my to a goddamn intestine. drum circle. So what's going to be a problem again? Sorry. Well, I just think that, um, so... Where where's the the line between uh, fantasy and reality? Like the storytelling of Clark versus who these people actually are. Um, Maddie seems to really dig Octavia. Calls her a beast. Is like I can't believe you didn't think that she'd win the conclave. Like which makes me uh, wonder the stories that that Clark had told her that would have given Maddie that impression. I mean, if you take yourself out of it and you put yourself in Maddie's shoes and you heard these stories about these people, you're like, they're fucking Paul Bunyan. I mean, these guys I would have loved super Clark or Maddie to be like, sounds like they have plot armor. <laughs> <laughs> like sounds like she sounds like Octavia had a lot of character development in the last year. <laughs> that seems like a really fast time for her to become like a ninja warrior, Clark. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, it's just weird, the timing of it. I mean, but I'll go with it. Fine. Anyway, So it's just like, it's just like, like, it scares me a little bit that Maddie's going to have this inflated impression of, of Octavia because she's, she's heard these stories and she's kind of put these people up on a pedestal because I think Clark really respects and honors these people as well that Maddie's probably going to be a little bit more like cool with Octavia who doesn't have rules, doesn't make her do the dishes. Um, You're the cool you know. aunt. <laughs> yeah, she's the cool aunt versus versus the mom figure. And the cool figure. thing so, is that she Maddie is also the girl under the floor. Mhm. They were Yeah, they exactly. Were not so subtle. it's like it's like no no subtle parallels there. No. I, it, it, we practically got hit with a semi truck with that one. There were two semi. There was that semi truck, and then the uh, nothing's going to change on the ground. Echo semi truck, <laughs> which we'll yeah. get to that oh, one. Sure. You're like, oh, wink. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, there's going to be some tension here created by uh, the the myth of Octavia um, and her having a lot of parallels with Maddie and. I don't know what Octavia wants out of Maddie yet. That's that's the X factor. Yeah. Like, that's the variable. Like, I don't know what she wants out of Maddie, but I think there's going to be a lot of conflict um, with Clark and Octavia. Well, we know there's going to be a ton of conflict with, with Clark and Octavia this year because Jason said as much. <laughs> but what what is what the source of that conflict is, it's got to be Maddie. Well, and I kind of wonder to some degree, because we got, we got Maddie saying, you know, at the end when uh, Clark decides to execute the... Uh, 
the pris- the Eligius prisoner slash guard slash I don't know what we're going to call them because um, they're no longer prisoners. But anyway, um, where she was like, there are no good guys. Um, you know, so Maddie still sort of has this notion, this black and white notion. She is young enough that she still has this black and white notion of what is good and what is what is wrong, um, you know, and, and evil. And what that sort of hero worship is going to look like when she actually meets Octavia. What Because we still, you know, we're not going to find out too much about Octavia until obviously the next episode. Because all we saw was her sort of presiding over these death matches. We don't know if she's believes in them or if it's just a way to maintain control or whatever. So, you know, is it that they bring um, Bunker Crew out and Octavia is just like a cold bitch? And is that sort of, where does that leave Maddie in her sort of hero worship of her? Well, we definitely know yeah. that she's going to have some sort of deal with Octavia at some point. Because mm-hmm. that was in the... Yeah, we just don't know what it is. So it's like... In the trailer. So... I, I, I'm curious. I don't know. I think it's got to have something to do with the, the flame um, and her being a nightblood. But I don't know why they would go there because Octavia... The, command, the time of the commanders Yeah, the time passed. of the command. Yeah, uh, uh, Indra says it. The time of the commanders has passed. The time of the flame has passed. Yeah. Now, Indra says this, but she doesn't speak for all grounders. So we, we might see that what Indra believes um, and what everybody else believes are two different things and that, you know, Maddie represents to Octavia a way to hold on to power... Um, by making her the commander and having some sway over her. I don't know, or but that just she wants seem to abdicate right. power. Like maybe uh, yeah. Octavia just still doesn't want the power, and she's been faking it this whole this whole time. I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. It doesn't. It feels weird. Um, for Octavia to kind of like which I think go back. maybe us trying to speculate about this now is kind of where sort of what the early reviews were hinting at, which was like, listen, where you think this is going. It's not where it's going. And so we're trying to grasp at things that we would find logical given past experiences on the hundred. Yeah. But they will surprise us. And like, I mean, we're trying to kind of predict the surprises. And so that's always a shady business. (laughs) So, Shaheen, Shaheen, have you been like looking at kind of the previews and and, and people saying that um, they're not going, you know, they're going to go into in unexpected areas or unexpected places? Have you seen all these kind of write-ups are you aware a little of that? bit um yeah why are you, d- like i'm just wondering like do you think the show has been fairly predictable in the past where it, where it's been going that this is really a big huge change up for us yeah that's a good question i mean i i feel like with eligius for example i used to uh think that whenever they introduce a new element on this show that we're gonna see more layers and more complexity and stuff like that but i haven't i don't feel like we've been getting that lately um a lot of things are set up as just like this straight up bad thing no question about it so i i wonder if there's gonna be any real surprises like i don't know i don't know what i mean it's hard to uh promise to surprise people right (laughs) so we'll see what they do I feel like what we're going to be most surprised about is in some, like, I feel like we have our usual setup for the Allegis crew and Dioza and everyone else. Um, they're obviously very heavily being set up as antagonists mm-hmm. this season, um, you know, because we are obviously on Clark and Maddie's side and they 
came into Clark and Maddie's camp and fucked shit up and tried to like hurt them. But I, I, I think one of the things that I would not put tons of money on, but like 50 cents, um, is that they are not going to be the antagonists mm-hmm. in this. Would um, this, would that make, but Octavia then is that the surprising? Because now you, because so if the surprising thing, if the, not normal thing or, or not surprising thing was to just have them be the bad guys. Then the surprising thing is that they're not bad guys. But then now you can predict that, so it's not surprising. So God damn it, Shaheen! Like what? Yeah, you see what I'm saying? This is called the, the surprise do. test paradox. It's like what? when that teacher says, "I'm going to give you a it surprise test." Sounds like you've test. made this up. Says, right? No, what made what up? The surprise test paradox. paradox? Like, actually, (laughs) this doesn't sound real. There are are volumes written on this. So (laughs) Volumes? Yes. How many? I don't know, but there's a lot of shit written on this. (laughs) So it's the idea that if your teacher says, I'm going to give you a surprise test next week, um, what day is it going to be? Uh, if you think about it, it's not going to be on Friday because then it's not, it's not a surprise. Surprise in, the, in this context means you won't know you have a test tomorrow. So every night you, you go to bed, you don't know if there's going to be a test or not. So, so wait, so no matter what, it, you, it would have to be Monday through Wednesday. So it can't be Friday for sure because then yeah. on Thursday night, you know it's tomorrow. Uh, but then if it's, it's definitely not on Friday, Friday is ruled out. But then it can't be on Thursday either because on Wednesday night you can reason that well it's not on yeah. Friday and so it's tomorrow, and so it can't be on Thursday. So you rule out Thursday and then you keep going. It can't be on any day. Wait, why can't it be on any day? Because you can just keep eliminating the days like that. I see. So really, it should just be on Monday. <laughs> well, it can't. Yeah. So if you keep going like that, it will eliminate Monday too. Um, For fuck's sake. Anyway, I want to talk about Clark's morality, though. Yes, no, I was going to ask you about that. Oh, yeah, let's do that. (laughs) So, okay. So if you think about... Surprise! Was that... Does that count? Were you surprised? I mean, I can talk about the surprise test paradox all day, but I don't know if, like, (laughs) how many people want to listen. The surprise to our listeners is that we don't talk about the rest of the episode. Surprise. Yeah. Surprise. Surprise. Sorry. Go ahead. Clark's morality. um, Clark. So going back to, we were talking about Maddie, going back to Clark's side of things um, with respect to Maddie. If you think about Clark's journey, um, she's gone from trying to save the hundred in season one to wanting to save her people in season two. And then to wanting to save humanity, quote unquote, which she always has plausible deniability for um, in season seasons three and four. Um, and then, um, well, in season three, it was kind of her people, but also humanity. And, you know, season four was more full on, you know, I want to save humanity kind of thing. And now in season five, she's going to go to wanting to save one person, right? Giving priority. We know she's being set up. We're being set up for this type of, uh, this kind this type of dynamic where the only thing that Clark now cares about is Maddie and so this is going to be the center of her morality so why would the show give her this transition which seems like it it went from it it was following a trajectory of expanding your circle of uh, people that you want to save and it then 
collapsed all the way back into wanting to save one person. Um, so here's my conjecture or my guess about why this is happening. And you guys can tell me what you think about this. Um, okay. But my thinking is that this and this actually sits with the statement that I prepared for the finale. So maybe I can just go into that for a little bit. Um, so if you think about the season four finale, it's the first finale that doesn't end with Clark pulling a lever. And so that well, no, she she kicked a satellite dish. So yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, she she was she was like pressing buttons to get something to do something. Imagine if there had been a lever there, maybe it would have like moved the dish a little bit better. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, it's always been like season one. She pulled a lever, closed the dropship, and three hundred grounders died, um, burnt to death. And then season two, she pulled the lever all. 380 some people died in Mount Weather um, then season 3 she pulled the lever and you know I'm kind of sad she didn't pull a lever and see, like I kind of wish that it were just a running joke at that point like in season 4 that there <laughs> was a lever and see, and like it, we're just like waiting after like every season fin- like at every season finale just be like where's the goddamn lever yeah. where is it like it's like a where's Waldo <laughs> yeah so the thing is like a lever <laughs> just me then okay <laughs> well, I think I mean it may maybe they they wouldn't mind doing that, but there was a symbolism involved because the lever kind of represents a symmetric morality where you know it's like your side and our side. I'm gonna pull it to our side, um, hmm. and that's deep, you know, and it's suitable for a sort of the sort of moral indifference that we have seen on this show. Um, you know, there are no good guys, and and so on. And this, you know, we see that in season two after Clark pulls the lever. Um, Abby says, maybe there are no good guys. It's just your side and my side. Um, but this time, in, in, at the end of season four, this, this symbolism is replaced by the tower. She climbing the tower, uh, which represents a very hierarchical morality where there's a high point and a low point, you know, a good place and a bad place um, that are clearly distinguished. And just as the indifferent morality of season two was echoed in a conversation between Abby and Clark, where Abby says there are no good guys, the hierarchical morality of season four is also echoed in a conversation between Abby and Clark from um, 412, where, uh, from four, sorry, from 412, where Abby says, um, Abby tells Clark that there are in fact good guys, I was wrong, there are good guys, and you are one, that Clark is one. Um, and then we see her climb that tower. Um, and so if you think about it, that conversation is right before Clark leaves to go to the island to save Raven, who is just this one person that Clark just happens to care about. It really doesn't have anything to do with saving humanity or anything like that. It's just we, we want to save Raven. Um, and then climb, Clark climbing the tower is also just to save a handful of people that are close to her and that she cares about, you know, Bellamy and, and so on. Uh, so the shift in symbolism and the, the morality is sort of reflected or accompanied by this shift in the type of decision that Clark is making. When the decision was about these large scale um, saving everyone, saving people, saving humanity type of things, uh, everything seemed indifferent and just a matter of your side and my side. 
But when the decisions are about caring about a particular individual, the show seems to take a, a stand that there is uh, a good and a bad. So uh, things that have to do with like at the level of greater good, uh, maybe there are no good guys, but uh, but maybe being a good guy is not really about doing great things and saving humanity, but simply about uh, trying to trying your best in the situation and caring for the people that you care about and that you're close to and sacrificing yourself for them and stuff like that. And so and this so we see this in her relationship with Maddie as well in season five, where, um, you know, she goes through this interesting uh, little pike pike turn <laughs> where she goes through a period <laughs> where she's, you know, kill or be killed. But then she finds this one person. She thinks that they're the last two people on earth. And she has this very close connection to this person. Um, and so this is kind of, this reminded me of what um, they call care-based ethics. Um, so the idea of care-based ethics is um, people have been talking about ethics, um, like the major traditions of ethics, you know, virtue ethics, uh, and then Kantian or deontological morality and consequentialist morality, they all talk about uh, a quote-unquote objective morality, the, this sort of um, trans-individual morality where you transcend yourself. And, and the idea is that the more you can get away from your own interests and your own relationships and have the bigger picture in mind, the better. Um, care based, And then everything in terms of like when you do prefer... Uh, people that you care about to other people all of that is discussed in the context of partial partial morality and partiality and partialism which we have talked about mm-hmm. on this podcast um a couple of times before so we, we talked <laughs> just like, a couple times <laughs> so it's like literally all we talk about everything in season four so like bellamy with the hydrogenerator that was a partiality issue right so it was like um yeah if you think about the big picture and then we don't have bobs here to to uh, but but is it is it with, with clark if i mean we kind of get into this weird sort of paradox of okay so her you know ethical framework is now drilled down to one person right like mm-hmm. she only cares about maddie but then again until Elegia showed up there was no one else to care about like i mean obviously like you still have space crew but she can't do anything about that like the most she can do is kind of run her weird little podcast radio station about berries and yelling at bellamy <laughs> um you know so yes i totally see what you're saying on the other hand it's like well her sort of situation has dictated her morality. Well, I mean, yeah, they put her in, they put her through this journey to like sort of justify for us why she got here. Um, But I mean, you can still think that she could care about Maddie uh, qua a person, care about her as a person because she cares about humanity or care about her because she cares about her. You know that no, that's not still... a whole lot of responsibility put on Maddie with that. You you represent humanity, Maddie. So no no pressure. Don't fuck up. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a dick. <laughs> so if she cared about Maddie because she cares about humanity, then when the Elegious people showed up or anyone else showed up, she should have thought, well, 
these are also humanity. I want everyone to live. Um, and so let's. Yeah, but they play. look nefarious, Shaheen. <laughs> also, the music was sketchy. Like duh. anyway, so care-based morality <laughs> says that um, <laughs> that this is this whole setup is wrong. That you set it up so that it has to be impartial and indifferent, uh, and the sort of robotic looking at just like um, facts. Whether I mean, it doesn't have to be consequential. It's just doesn't have to be just the consequences. Even if you have a, like a duty-based or deontological morality, it's still supposed to be disinterested, separated from your own individuality and your relationships. Care-based morality says that that's how it should. Uh, that's how it should be. Partiality is not like something that needs to be justified. Um, it's it's the core of morality itself is you know being related to other human beings and this is this is like common this is like has a feminist thread to it also like this is kind of like feminist ethics in in the 20th century um because the idea was that like um you know ethics has been written by men and that's why it's it's it doesn't emphasize relationships and care and things like that wait 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 Wait, so, like, on the one hand, like, you're saying that this is feminist, and I was like, yay, this is good. But then on the other hand, like, that's, like, a really sexist way to look at ethics. Like, it's... <laughs> well, you have to take it with the feminists, I mean. Oh, Because like, there's feminism say... that says that, you know, men and women are different, and the male way of looking at things has been dominating. And then there's feminism that says men and women are the same. This is just something that exists in, within feminism. I mean, I, I didn't. So, I I take issue with the name care based ethics because that makes me think that it is more partial, more localized, uh-huh. like by its name, because you care. But maybe that's just my feminism getting in the way. Wait, what? I don't. Didn't understand. you say that care based ethics was the one that you your focus is on? being impartial or did i misunderstand um no it's the opposite it's it's it says that the basis of morality is relationships with other people so okay so now it makes sense never mind i take no issue with the name of it it's at the core a partial thing because remember we talked about like what maybe partiality can be justified because it's more effective to care about people that you know a lot about care about a few people that you know a lot about rather than try to care about everyone that you don't know about um maybe it's a, an efficiency issue and, and stuff like that and care-based ethics would say that's just the wrong way to look at it it's you don't have to justify why you're partial that's just the nature of where morality comes from is, is relationships with other people so is this does does this mean that that season five is going to be like kind of you know, the trope of uh, you bring the salty old coach back out from retirement or whatever to, like, do whatever it is that they were really good at doing. Like, is this going to be, like, whoever, wherever this these sides end up, that, like, someone is going to have to, like, you know, try to bring, Cl- like, Clark out of world-saving retirement? And she's like, <laughs> no, I only care about Maddie and maybe myself, kind of. And they're like, no, but you need to care about everyone. And, like, it's like slowly her fuck giving fucks again is that 
Well, I mean, it seems like they want to show this as progress, so I don't think that it's going to be a matter of trying to take Clark back to what she was before. That's what I'm intrigued by, that they, they're showing this this uh, sort of care-based turn as progress for Clark. Everything, all the symbolism indicates that this is not her, like, deterioration. This is but a journey evolution? that this is an ordeal that she went through, and she came out on the other side uh, different. And so it started, like, like I said, in season four finale. Like we saw the the hints and the symbolism there with with the tower and the you know the type of decision that she had to make was completely different from the the previous seasons. Where do you feel about this, Jen? Uh, well, I just wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna do another um, choose one person's life or you know choose humanity type thing again like they did with uh in at the end of season three um when they hung abby to try to get her to uh to reveal where the the what what's to reveal where the flame was um yeah yeah i think so um so it'll be interesting to see because she wasn't willing to do it then um and I don't know. I don't know if it'll be different now because she's being put in a different position altogether as far as her dynamic with Maddie. She's no longer just uh, a daughter or a friend or you know an acquaintance um, with somebody. She actually is in a caretaker position of somebody that she is responsible for that person's um, welfare and well-being. I think that puts a completely different set of responsibilities upon you. And then she'll have to maybe wrestle with um, uh, making those sit well with with the, the old Clark Griffin. Um, basically, her, her one head up uh, persona that's like, I will do anything for my people, including destroy your people. Um, but what if, what if it's, what if, yeah, her people is Maddie, how far will she go? I don't know if Clark is ever going to be just like my, my people is just Maddie. I, that, that would be, that would be an, I think an interesting evolution for Clark, but I, I also don't know if that is really truly development or evolution or if it's, um, selfishness. Like she's done with her greater responsibilities that she cares more for one person than for the many. Hmm. Um, but I think it, I, I think it is an interesting, um, dilemma to set up because Clark has obviously always been, um, this figure that will do anything for her people. And she's moved from the macro to the more macro. Um, and now she's, she's on this micro plane where it's just her and Maddie, um, and we know that the things that perhaps the Allegis want or space crew or Octavia wants aren't necessarily good for Maddie. Yeah. So we'll have to take a step back and say, so it's not good for Maddie, but is it good for everybody in general? And then view Clark's actions through that lens. I'm really sort of curious with this storyline because they were very sort of obvious with, um, you know, the... Maddie getting excited about the the berry crop this year and that there was enough for them to like do something with them. There was enough for them to like spare dyeing their hair about it. Um, 
that clearly they've set up Eden as a slowly expanding sort of, you know, territory that 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 is able to support a small amount of life. And so unless the finale or what we're moving towards is another sort of wipeout of people through violence, like it seems like the the only choice is going to be who gets to live on Earth and who has to go back into space and, you know, wait it out or find a new planet or something like that's kind of where I can kind of see the story going um, and sort of what the battle ends up being, because clearly it's not going to be we all just get along and are able to share and use these resources, because while there were ample resources before Prime Fire, the the we still had to deal with sort of this tribalism and this territorialness um, with the grounders uh, with each other. And then the, you know, sky crew versus the grounders and, you know, mountain men and stuff like that. But, you know, there were plenty of resources then now clearly there are not, there are barely enough resources for a handful of people. Um, and so no yeah. matter what, not everyone's going to be able to be in Eden, regardless of sort of the pissing contest of it all. Yeah. The, the thing that, that concerns me is I think we've, We've seen that story already, mm-hmm. um, especially in season four. Uh, and I don't want a redo of it with just a slightly different set of uh, uh, antagonists mm-hmm. and dangers. So I'm wondering if they're going to switch something up and make, you know, make something really, just do something really unexpected to... Like aliens? Uh, yeah, I kind of oh think that the, all of this is going to be wrapped up by the end of mid-season finale so like Eligius, all this is going to be irrelevant bunker that there's then, a new twist there's some weird oh, really? shit happening at the end at the, in the middle of the season yeah because okay. they've always done this like bait and switch in the at the middle of the season but they um kind of gave it away a lot of times but this time i think we have no idea what's going to be the second like, because them fighting over fight eden beat. is not enough yeah i don't think it is and i i don't think aliens is out of the question to be honest like like (laughs) expanse style aliens or like aliens alien style aliens uh i want to say not too no et not too like sci-fi heavy so probably just like they look like sciency people but they're blue or something i don't know (laughs) (laughs) just some blue peeps (laughs) just blue people hey maybe bebo can be there would that would that make you happy jen oh i don't know if i don't know if the hundred can handle the bebo verse is it so i only know about bebo through what you're telling me is it that in different times or different like can you give me the quick rundown? Okay, so I think we should take so a basically, break. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! This is important. So, so basically, uh, we're talking about Legends of Tomorrow, which is another show on the. And CW, I don't watch the it. best. Fair, the, fair disclosure. The best Arrowverse show um, that is currently on the CW is Legends of Tomorrow. It's fantastic. So they had to go back in time to uh, when Leif Erikson and his sister discovered North America. Um, and the, and so the, the, the concept of what's going on in Legends of Tomorrow in season three is they have to go back and fix time anachronisms that they, they themselves caused. Because as the legends say, sometimes they screw things up for the better. 
Um, the anachronism in this time frame was a furry blue talking child's toy a la Teddy Ruxpin had been time shifted back to um, uh, when Leif Erikson discovered America and they uh, they worshipped it as a god. <laughs> so um, it's just, <laughs> it's as ridiculous as it sounds, but it's ridiculously awesome. So Bebo has kind of become a meme within the, the Legends um, uh, how did fandom. It, how did it become alive, though? Like- oh, so, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but, you know, sometimes you got to channel heroes their their powers together to I create see. one large okay, so we're just manifestation hand wave this. of no th- i mean there's a reason why there's a large flying fighting bebo uh in the season finale but there's a build up to get there but that the writers have completely um uh, uh you know uh embraced the ridiculousness of Bebo and kind of the ridiculousness of time travel and the people involved. It is the best, funnest show. Um, and they actually handle relationships really, really well, I have to say. I, Better than probably any other show on CW. Well, I mean, to be fair, that's not the highest of hurdles. That's really, it's yeah, not a high hurdle at we all. Will, we will clearly get back into that once we start in on Space Crew because I have words. Okay. <laughs> So should we take a break then? I gotta microwave some tea. (laughs) (laughs) You take a break when I tell you to take a break. Oh, right. I forgot Shaheen's in charge. Okay. All right. Well, if you guys don't have anything else, let's take a break. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll come back and talk about Space Crew. Welcome back, everyone. (laughs) Quiet on the set. That didn't last very long. That quiet and... Quiet in the room. Our, our quiet acceptance of no your authority. Quiet no. At May We Geek Again. <laughs> Welcome back. We're talking about Space Crew. So, um. Yeah. <laughs> with that, we segue into Joe had some problems with the exposition. Is that related I, to the horn? I did and I didn't. Like, I. God damn it. I just want to use that all the time, but I, you have to be sparing with the rap air horn because, like, well, Jen clearly thinks that it will always be funny, but I believe in moderation. Oh, God. I'm, like, laughing so hard I'm sweating. It's like everyone has that one thing that just, like, doesn't stop being funny. Ever. Farts. Always funny. Rap air horn. Always funny. Um, so, yeah. So, my issue with Space Crew, like... First of all, like anyone who thinks that there's not going to be Balark on this season is crazy. Maybe, may I mean, or at least like they're really moving towards it. Like it's becoming pretty obvious in the editing choices and whatever, like going from like Clark and then up into Spaceship, whatever. Like the beginning of Space Crew was great. I love the fight between Raven and, and, and Echo and that was super cool. And like to find out that Lindsay Morgan has been training Muay Thai, like that was super cool. Um, okay, can I call, well, actually on that Raven versus echo thing yeah like, here we go seriously yeah. yeah what about it like how um so here's like how here how is because a they were sparring so like echo was probably not using full strength so that's how raven was able to get the drop on her with with the back elbow um 
Oh, look at Joe breaking out the... Oh, look at me. <laughs> this is the only thing. Mixed martial arts, everybody. Watch out for my Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Which I would like to call out Raven's arm bar. Like, good job. Um, you Cheater. Know. Cheater, cheater with Wait, that why uh, it leg cheater? brace. Because she has a leg brace. How, How does that... Fire it? I mean... Uh... That's the thing, though. If, if if Echo had better jujitsu, she wouldn't have gotten in that position. Like, let's be real. But anyway, separate oh, issues. he's calling out Echo's jujitsu. I I did not. Um, though I do like that she carried her dirty ass sword up to space. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Like, I my understanding of space travel, um, according to like NASA and whatever, is that like. Carrying stuff is really expensive and heavy. And so the fact that, like, I mean, maybe because Clark wasn't on the rocket, like, everyone got to bring a souvenir and, like, Re- Echo was like, I'm bringing my sword. That's her luxury item. That's her luxury item. That yeah, is so, what- like, so, like, every every uh, season of Survivor, every Survivor gets a luxury item. That's hers. That's hers. You, you're, as Gata's luxury item is a fucking sword. Yeah, I mean, some people will bring, like, a Bible um, or, like, a personal effect. Raven brought her personal effect, which is a sword. Sorry, Joe. So go back to, okay, Getting what was the problem with the exposition? My issue with the space crew is, okay. like, I get that we needed, like, the, the them sitting around and eating was a great little scene. It got a little bit awkward in order to explain where Murphy was, where it was like, you have the truth. Like, A, we don't talk about how long we've been in space. Clearly, that is a rule. Like, whatever. Um, we, and then the punishment for that is, what was it? Latrines, something, and Murphy. And then all of us were like, Murphy, what's that? And I was like, is he in the brig? Like, what the fuck happened? But no, Murphy has just decided to, like, self-exile or whatever because of a bad breakup. I don't know. Um, it all just seemed a little, like, and then the whole thing with, I know that, Jen, in your, in your review on, this was your. Oh, declare, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Miss McHugh. <laughs> declare shenanigans.com, the best, the best thing ever that's been ever written, according to Adina Porter. <laughs> Anyway, um, that you enjoyed like the the uh, wrestling between Murphy and Look. Bellamy, and I would have liked that. Like, I love the Murphy me of it all, but at the same time, I was like, y'all are like in your mid to late twenties. Like, are we really? Is this our really dynamic? Like, since when? Since when are we horsing around? Um, can't look. Can't you? Can't we have this? Just give us this, Joe. Just get give us. It just Give felt, us those men wrestling with each other. I, I it just felt fully, super like awkward. Did it give you weird feelings? Well, so it's the problem of age. Is that just? I mean, my older? issue is just like that's not who they've ever been, and maybe it's to show them as like being light, like Bellamy's sort of change in space of being lighthearted. But like it, I was kind of more just like, no, 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 never mind the wrestling. What the fuck is Murphy doing over here? Like, why is he like crazy man growing a beard? Like, I wanted more of that instead of like sort of just, they just kind of, and again, like the same thing happened with the Mm -hmm. Bellamy and Echo scene of just like a little bit of clunky dialogue to try and explain a lot versus what we got with Clark, for example, was a lot more show don't tell in her sort of journey, but we only had like three and a half minutes for space crew. So it was like, quick, let's, let's get everyone up to speed. Yeah, I mean, and they said that there's not going to be any flashback so, for space crew. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall that. <clears throat> there, there has to be flashbacks because there's, there's really no way for them to. But well, what do we need to heard, know about I them? I think we, they told us there's not going to be flashbacks. I thought they meant for Clark. 
and Maddie like this was it. Okay, I don't know because we uh, didn't we didn't get we, any we didn't get any flashbacks. I, I would assume that they're going to give Bunker Crew and Space Crew the the same kind of a little bit of a flashback treatment that they they gave to uh, to Clark in order to fill out their story a little bit more. I mean, I. I would love to have more space crew. Like, I, I would love to have an episode, a day in the life of, like, what they've been doing for the year. But, like, we got with Clark, but we're not going to get it. Yeah, no, I think it's going to, it's pretty, it's probably pretty boring. Um, they Technology have a, not dying. Raven I not mean, getting laid. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of heavy lifting to do. Um, if they don't do flashbacks, they have a lot of character heavy lifting to do to get some of to get us up to speed with how some of these relationships uh, developed and evolved. Uh, any specific ones you guys want to complain about? Like, I was wondering, <laughs> so like Murphy and Amori for me, I, I feel like I want to know more about why they broke up. Especially after five and a half years. Yeah, so the thing is, like, it seems like they broke up recently. Yeah, like within like six, because Murphy has been exiled, self-exiled for like six months. Did they say, when did they say six months? That's like, oh. it was at some, like either they they definitely made a point of that. I can't yeah, really no, they did. When it, was it was when it was when Murphy and Amori came face to face with one another. On right. So she yeah. mentioned it, I believe. Okay. And so, I mean, I, it's from their from their behavior. It seems like they broke up recently. And it was yeah. not a good breakup. No, definitely <laughs> and not. And then Raven says she made you feel inadequate. I don't know if that's a sex thing, but that's all we get. So I wonder if we're going to get more or we're just never going to ask what happened. I mean, I take issue, honestly, with everyone still being together. Like, uh, I mean, maybe maybe I'm just a cynic, but even Harper and, and Monty being together, like after all of this time, I don't know. I just kind of like... I don't buy that these kids are still together with what is essentially their high school sweethearts. Um, so, like, you mean statistically? Statistic, yeah, statistically, experientially, like, it just seems... I mean, those statistics are about people who are, like, spoiled on, on a, in a world of abundance. Right, so you're saying that this is maybe circumstantial. This is just a different sample of people, and I don't know how long relationships would last if... last in a seven person vacuum yeah well i mean also you have to take in consideration that um uh they the the writers would have to spend an extra extra time on a breakup with harper and monty yeah. so it's um, just easier to keep them together yeah i mean it's just <laughs> it's just real estate that they don't have it's just yeah. script real estate that they don't need or no, they don't have and they don't need um does to... that put them closer or less on death watch closer to death watch um which one both well either of them harper though um it's like the more these these characters stay the same i think the less and less um investment we have in them and it's just easier to believe that they might be you know i mean though if harper goes then monty was right like if harper dies this season then monty was right to just be like i don't want to go to the ground things are good here and then Harper dies, and he's like, "See, well, I mean, Monty's, sto- Monty's story doesn't necessarily have to not be a tragedy this season. I mean, because it wasn't last season, or the season before. Yeah, but 
You know? I feel like we kind of really like Monty skates by, but you're like, damn, dude, you've had you've had some shit. Oh no, he's definitely had some shit, and he reminds you of it every single time too. He's like, P.S. I'm fucked up about it. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So okay, we have Murphy and Amori, and then who yep. else we got? Well, that you would fucking you would... Raven. I'm still upset about that. What about Raven? She didn't get late. Nope. That we know of. No I mean, nookie. No, I mean that is that is the most unbelievable part of all of this. Yes. I mean, who would who would sleep with her? Everyone. Would you? No, like not the like who. I mean, like Bellamy is. <laughs> she so been there, done that. Bellamy and uh, and Echo got together three years ago, apparently, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. she said it took you three years, and it's been six years. Mm-hmm. So they've been together for three years. Uh, okay, so I would maybe I could see Bellamy and Raven for the first few years, um, but then just, Murphy just was with, casual. with with Amori. Monty is with Harper. Yeah, but like, do we have Unless to be talking orgies? Space? Which you know, I'm all for. Yeah, yeah, and do we have to be all straight and shit too? I know, like Echo and Raven could have hooked up. I mean, right? we have no evidence that Raven is is bisexual or no. We have no evidence like that, that she's she's not bisexual either. Um, we have evidence of we've seen her with guys. We've never seen her. But that's not evidence. That's that you can't disprove something by saying it doesn't exist. Well, um, absence <laughs> of evidence is not evidence of absence. But we have positive evidence for her being into guys. We have no evidence one way or another for her being into girls. But anyway, statistically, if we're talking statistics... God damn it. Um, You're about to statistics, I'm not talking statistics. Raven sexuality. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if you want to like hit canon and, you know, fanfic about it. But like in reality, oh. I think she's supposed to be. She's supposed Wait, to be so straight. statistically, statistically, Raven is straight or what are we talking here? I think Raven is supposed to be straight. I don't know. I mean, but at the same time, I'm just kind of like, damn, dude, you've been up, you've been up there for six years. Like, maybe the reason why they haven't gotten down to Earth is that she actually hasn't been working on the fuel problem. She's actually just been like building more and more elaborate sex toys for herself. <laughs> She's like that that girl on the internet who builds shitty robots, um, except Raven builds really good robots, and that's what she's been doing this whole time. Yeah, she could have made herself a sex robot. That's what I'm saying. She That's what she's been that. doing. That's why they haven't gotten down to Earth. Or maybe, or maybe she has one of them um, full body cane body pillows, full size <laughs> cane body pillows. And you would CW. like her to call C- you about that? The CW won't send me. I know they exist. <laughs> they have to. How can they not exist? Um, I will add that to the notes. The Reemergence of cane body pillow. So Jen, what did you mean when you said I had very little problem with any of this scene? Which scene are you talking about? Uh, the, all of it. I didn't have a problem with any of it. Okay. I love the space scene. Okay. Like you didn't feel any of the dialogue was a little weird? Well, the dialogue was no. Okay. So do you disagree with Joe? Of course I disagree with Joe. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. You don't even need to know the context. <laughs> Just whatever it is. No, I mean, it just, to me, it felt like we were getting reacquainted with these folks. The dynamic is going to be a little bit different. So we kind of have to accept that whatever they're showing us is where people are at now and how they got there. Hopefully, either through flashbacks, they'll show us Mm -hmm. or they'll, in the story moving forward, they they will help fill in those gaps with those dynamics, either through 
maybe exposition or just showing us how they are in the world now with one another. I um, mean, I don't want it to seem like I didn't like the space crew stuff. Like I thought it was like, it was fine for what it needed to be or whatever. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about the Becco of it all um, as well, because that's apparently what like burned down the internet. Um, you know, so like, I'm not, I'm not saying, I don't want to like have people listen to this and be like, Joe hated space crew. Like, no, I didn't hate the space crew stuff. Like I either wanted more of it or like, they just had so much information to give us that like I would have liked another five minutes for them to like have to do that. Yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I would have liked more out of Space Crew too, but again, we had to get the allegiance down to earth. Yeah. Um, you know, to immediately set up that that drama. Um, are we going to talk about the Becco of it all? Yeah, I'm into it unless you have something else, Shaheen. Um, no. I'm, no. I'm good. Okay. So just to check, you guys are not willing to give up any of the Clark being alone in the desert no. part for no. any of this stuff that you want. No. 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 Okay. Nope. Nope. You just nope. want the episode to be longer, but if the episode wasn't long, the the reality is the episode is the, as long as it is. So this is the the perfect arrangement then. I don't know. You could have left the Legis out until yeah. like the last two minutes. Um, and cut that's cut it down significantly that it's just them landing that yeah. none of the other stuff took place. Exactly. Like, um, they arrive, and then also, if you really want to show Octavia's Fight Club, like, both of those, you get those, like, oh, shit, what happened? What's going to happen with those? Instead of Allegis being set up immediately as these antagonists that are, you know, coming in to fuck Clark's shit up. Like, okay. I, I don't think that I needed that at yeah. the expense of the characters that I already care about. Okay. If that makes sense. So you want changes in in episode two then? Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I need to, to I episode need, two. Right? I need to see what episode two is. Like, right. if episode and, two but, is entirely. What you're saying set in the is bunker. like leave some of the stuff for episode two. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not the. You know, I I don't know where the story is going. So maybe it was absolutely crucial that that be shown in this episode. But for someone watching this first episode, my fucks are towards Space Crew and Clark and to some degree Bunker Crew, but I get that Bunker Crew was just supposed to be a teaser. And so I could have, I didn't necessarily felt like I needed to sort of have that conflict set up with Allegis. And um, I didn't need that overt of a conflict. Like I could already make the leap that they were a threat. I didn't need to see them actually be a threat, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the, I'm just nitpicking. Like it was a great episode. Yeah, I episode. mean, when, when, when it caught, when the, the, you know, when she zoom, when Clark zooms in, it says prison ship. You're like, oh, uh, there's pro- they're probably just inside traders and tax evaders. They can't Obviously. be dangerous. <laughs> they're just, you know, it's those white collared criminals with giant fucking guns. <laughs> uh, whatever the, what was that one with like the like spiky bits? You know, the one that Clark was like, question mark, question mark. Like that's the- a, that's a sonic weapon. I think that's used to break up rock. Ah, mm-hmm. a little little Chekhov's actual gun. Yeah, so I mean, it's just interesting. Like, if you just look and see what kind of mining stuff they have, um, like McCreary has a, a pickaxe uh-huh. as as strapped to his belt, like as a weapon. So I'm sure that'll come into play soon enough. He's gonna pickaxe somebody, and or Polis Tower, but also probably a person's skull. So yeah, I mean, yeah. they're miners. They're gonna pull that. They're gonna yeah. I feel like, if anything, that was just a lucky break for them to be able to dig out Polis. Like, who who wouldn't you... Like, that's exactly who you want to arrive. 
Well, I, I guess, are they going to be digging out Polis? Or will somebody steal a weapon and dig out Polis on their own? Dun, That's dun, the dun. question. I don't see why Allegis would have any sort of... Um, um, nice. I don't see why they would have any incentive to do it unless... They know about the bunker and they think something is in there, in there that they want. Well, that um, could it be I, a second dawn thing. I don't know. Well, we'll see if like that cult ever comes back into play, or if it was merely a, a season four thing to get us a bunker built. Well, so I I feel like there there could be that, or if we kind of look at it on a larger scale. I only think I saw, apart from Dioza, like one other female prisoner. Like, I don't know the gender makeups of of this, but if it's like two chicks and a bunch of like, you know, salty dudes, um, their reign over Eden isn't going to last for very long. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I didn't remember seeing anyone other than, any other females other than Dioza. I thought um, I saw one, like, in, an extra in the background. Maybe. I mean, I was it could just my be some eyes long-haired open, dude. Because I think it's interesting. Uh, how does Dioza, out of all of those alpha male dangerous men, including McCreary, become the leader of this group? Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck did she do? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we know McCreary is a mass murderer because Dioza says it. But, like, what the fuck did Dioza do? to get anyone's respect because I know it's like they left, they left earth 50 years in our future or 30 or whatever it was, but I know we haven't evolved that, that far Yeah, that like these, these big alpha male, uh, uh, looking crazy criminals are probably also feminists. Woke as fuck. Yeah. Woke as fuck. This is the wokest prisoner transport ship. Yeah. Probably in in the universe. Yeah. So she's, so it's, you know, they, these things don't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, just like when uh, Martin Luther King uh, was around, he eradicated racism. We're all good now. Everything's fine. So going back to Space Crew, <laughs> let's go Look back to Space Crew. Look at trying to wrangle. So, uh, Can we talk about Beko yet? Yeah. So Joe's dreams came true. Let's talk about that. I feel like it's more Jen's dreams. What did you but... do? Did you like do something that night? I went to sleep. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dreaming of Becco. No, I mean, I I feel an affinity towards Echo. I like the potential for her storyline. I am nervous. I want to put faith in the writers because I am nervous that she, like, obviously the writing is on the wall that most likely this is not going to end well for her and Bellamy in terms of their relationship. But I really want Echo to have agency about it. I don't want her storyline and her character growth to be in service of either Bellamy or Bellark. So yeah, do you think... Yeah, I mean... Go ahead. Go Jen. ahead, Shaheen. No, what were you going to ask? I was just wondering, do you think that, like, she's going to die? Or it's... I mean, I, I would I would, I would, would prefer that she doesn't um, because I find her character super fascinating and interesting. Um, it's a little bit... Uh, I do have nerves about that because, you know, Zach McGowan was a season regular in season four and, yep. you know, he died at the end of that one. Yeah, I have um, the same fear. Uh, but Echo's <laughs> been around since season two. And so it's just, you know, you finally get her as a regular. You have her, you know, in a very important point. You know, she's no longer sort of second string in terms of, you know, lurking in the shadows of a more important character. I don't want her to continue being lurking in the shadows in, in you know, in service to Bellamy. Sorry, what what do you have about this, Jen? Well, obviously, I like I like Becco. Um, 
you know, I I say Becca's end game, not that I actually believe it, but because I love to rile up shippers. Oh my god, they were so mad. Oh, it's, they were so it's, mad at that season premiere, and it's kind of like, what, what? um, especially since we know this is. I mean, I I do not like uh, Bella Arc as a romantic pairing. I, I don't I don't see it, but I think it's obvious that they're going yeah. there. Um, just because of the history and because, let's I mean, the groundwork is there. CW. Yeah, we're on the so CW. So do we think that, like, when they come down to Earth and Bellamy sees Clark, then he realizes, oh, this is the woman I always No, I think Bellamy already mm-hmm. kind of knew that. That's kind of where we left season four. Um, I think that Bellamy had kind of was more in tune with his feelings. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting thing of whether or not kind of Clark... I think it's going to take some time if we go there this season for Clark to sort of get back there, if she wants to at all. Because you have here in your notes that you have a worry that she do, uh, that Echo doesn't turn into a Gina, mm-hmm. um, which you know Gina was killed to move Bellamy's storyline forward. Um, yes. But then there's rich. also the, the the other worry of like uh, of it becoming a love triangle. But um, but Jason, but there's been articles written that that there is not going to be a love triangle this season which makes me think um, that echo if anything will break up with bellamy to be like i'm not i'm and and like what if and i know this isn't going to happen because it's the cw We're gonna and have i a polyamorous think, relationship? I think no 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 i think this is a cw <laughs> and i think i think um jason has set this up from the very beginning he he is a shipper himself I think that, it, I mean, it just uh, it just feels so obvious that they're going to go there with Bellark that the actual surprise would be if if, if they were like, you know, we're we're good friends. Um, that was a time and, in our life, but we have grown. Yeah, into this different this people. relationship, you know, this relationship that I have with um, Echo um, is where I am now in my life. And that would be the big, that would be the expect the unexpected thing um, that I would actually applaud because I, I mean, I'm so sick and tired of like these shows that feel like they have to put people together romantically just because they are the leads. Um, And I think it's also interesting that there's, there's plenty of people out there that don't read them as romantic. Um, You know, I, I think it's, it's, that you could go either way. I just think that they're going to do it. I, I obviously think they're going to do it this year. And I, like you, Joe, have uh, um, worries about what that what the ramifications are for Echo's character, who I don't want them to do her dirty in service to the ship. Um, and I don't want her defined by her relationship with with uh, Bellamy either. So I'm a bit worried. Yeah, like, uh, on the one hand, like, what the writers have shown us is we have reason to be concerned. But I, like, a a bit of me holds out some hope that, like, yes, that they will subvert this in some way um, and or, you know, not rehash Gina's fucking storyline again. Like, I, I choose to believe that the writers are better than that. At least... Sorry, so I still don't understand when you say Gina's storyline. Gina died, so is that what you're well, worried about? Well, either she dies or just, like, that she doesn't have any agency of her own. 
So what would be a good outcome, you think? I mean, I think Jen's proposition is great. Um, you know, not because I want to drink salty shipper Flatonic? tears. No, that, that, that Echo and Bellamy either stay together or that in some way, maybe they don't stay together, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, that they don't stay together so that Bellart can happen. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. So what if, like, they come down and, and Echo sees how Bellamy looks at Clark and she says... I can tell what's going on, and then uh, she takes off. I mean, I, I is that a is that a good outcome? Is that because so, then she did it on her on her terms, right? Yeah, but I mean, I don't want Echo to be kind of ostracized from the group because the relationship is over. Like, I would want her to break sure. up with Bellamy to it just doesn't have to be that be way. Like, but you know. She can just I'm like not, call it I, off. I, I see where this is going. Like I don't. I deserve more than to be what you settled for. And I think that that's going to be if they decide to like kind of play with that a little. Like I want agent. I want Echo to have that kind of faith in herself of like, listen, you know this. I mean, she's, she's a strong, independent she is woman a, who don't need exactly. No man. She's also a terrible person. Is she? Let's let's be is real. Is she though? Is she a terrible person? Uh, is she? Yeah, of course. Why? <laughs> She's like the the one character that is just like obviously not following any sort of morals. She was um, following the just, you know her the whole point about Echo is that she has never really had much agency in terms of what was driving her decisions was always in service to whoever her leader was. So I don't think think that that, that makes her, her evil. That is her decision to do that, though, to to kill people, to break the rules of the game, f- for the sake of. She's very good at her job. I mean, she's she grew up well, then, in Ice Nation, by that so standard, it's not like Hitler was a good person too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shaheen! Oh, Shaheen! That's I mean, other than her being cool, quote unquote, <laughs> she's cool evil. There's there is nothing like what is it that gives her honor i'm not saying like necessarily i mean i think that this gets into everything she's done is like a bellamy massacre is like if if that was all that bellamy ever did well i mean i think that that's a lot of the issue that people have is that they haven't seen echo's sort of redemption and you know i think that that in itself from people who ship Bellark who are upset about becco to say oh, well, you know, they got, he forgave her, you know, after three years, but they want to see that forgiveness. Um, I can. I mean, I'm not really into redemptions. I, I like complex characters that I don't have to see redeemed, I, that I can just accept that they did messed up shit, but that, that, but that it was complicated. And you don't and feel Echoes uh, was complicated? No. I feel like she just, she was, uh, she was a, person that didn't care about anyone else other than whatever her job description was like you said and she obviously like she didn't regret killing people and and cheating cheating totally disagree with that um she yeah i don't know like she was just she betrayed people multiple times she never yeah does she betray? There was always there was always a reason for her betrayal, though. I mean, everything that she does was in service to Ice Nation. I mean, that's that was her whole identity. 
Um, and because we don't have any sort of background information about how she grew up, um, the type of uh, whatever duress the, the people in Ice Nation are under to follow their queen. And, and what happens if you kind don't? Or like nation. Yeah, like what if you're like, oh, I don't want to kill people today. Like, eh, I don't think Naya was going to be too into that. That's not so I, I, I think things, everything though. that she everything that she did she did in service to her people and to her leader, and um, she did regret. Like when but then again by that standard you can justify anything. You can justify the Nazis. Not to bring up the cliche, always like the but, obvious. But we saw. But like no, any, I, I, can, understand, can, I understand. I understand what you're coming from. Justify everything the Japanese did in World well, War Well, you can II. justify everything Clark and company did as well. Then. Because if because if you just want to say well Ice Nation was bad a Sky Crew was good, then you can make clear deline- moral delineations there. But you know I if mean, you want to be, let's not talk about groups. We're talking about individuals, right? But so Echo like was Clark- clearly conflicted with the Octavia death, like the way that at least she was at the way that Tasia played it and was clearly directed when they told Bellamy in the Polis prison. You got to see her face facing away from Bellamy. She wouldn't show him that remorse, but like we saw it as an audience. There was surprise and remorse on her face when she thought she killed Echo Octavia, or, uh, Octavia yeah. too. Um, it, it was not her intention to kill her. She wanted to bring her in for Rowan, and she was upset. Uh, and you and you saw that surprise. On and her she was face. upset not just because she failed her mission, which was to bring her in alive. But that the that her failure was death. Yes, I mean, if you watch how Tasia plays that role, there's obviously something deep underneath it that she never reveals, and I'm I'm hoping that we're going to see that this year, um, this season, and we're going to see that she is a a ride or die type of character who has loyalty to the people that she perceives are her you know her her people. her people her crew and i think that's i think that's what space crew is going to be and it's been said i can't remember who said this um maybe it was in a um uh an interview with, with tasia that you know the the whole thing is you know do does space crew love her back as much as she loves them which just um, makes me so sad. I think, like it makes me sad for Echo. I'm like, oh, they're gonna disappoint you, yeah, sweet child. Yeah, I mean that's like, uh. I don't know. I feel like uh, you guys are giving her some sort of pass. Uh, I don't know if it's. I don't believe in the soul like grounder versus sky crew, but like I do believe we give people grounder pass, and we're like, oh, okay, you're a grounder, you get to murder, um, and whatever. I don't know. It, I don't, well, we if you really we think about her objectively, crew, she's a terrible person. Time. I mean, we give Sky no, Crew, Sky I'm, Crew again, pass I'm all not, the I'm not, time. I don't want to make it about Sky Crew and versus Grounder. Like, there is, we don't let Clark off the hook that easily if she just like people are talking about her like shooting that bird, and how that was just like saw how cold hearted that Wait, was. Wait, who's who's sad about Clark killing the bird? Uh, people on people, the internet, wimps on Reddit, like wait, wait, who's who's? I don't understand why are they sad about her killing. No, her not sad, but this is something that came up. Um, have have they ever been really hungry before? Like, I think the most unbelievable part for me was that Clark was such a good shot. 
Like, yeah. I kind of wouldn't no, have actually expected. Maybe like try like that might be like the last bird <laughs> on earth. The last or, buzzard. Or something like maybe like try eating the eggs or I don't know, just like. Just she just like the entire episode is her like stalking because she refuses to like take a bird's life, but she'll go like eat their eggs. Isn't that worse? Like to eat the babies? <laughs> is Clark a baby eater? I don't know. Anyway. Do you want to talk about Bunker Crew? Do you have anything yeah. about Bunker Crew? Unless there's more that Jen and I want to do with the Echo Defense Squad. Yeah, I feel like we're we're out here on an island versus Shaheen. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just feel like she's 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 a hard character to be sympathetic with because they don't give you much with her. So a lot of it has has been a lot of my read on her and her character um, is is due to. Uh, uh, Taste, um, Ta- how she plays her. Tasia's, yeah, Tasia's She's uh, subtle. performance. She, she's very subtle. She's subtle in a way that I've said this on other pods, like reminds me very much of um, how ADC played played Lexa, where yeah. it's you watch it and you're like, huh, huh. And I hope that we get story to back that up, to back that feeling up, because I don't want to be out here on an island going, look at the subtle conflict she has i don't want i want her to play it with subtle conflict but i want to see what that means yeah i mean it it doesn't it doesn't feel like um like ice nation was a a place where uh the external um communication of feelings was encouraged a lot you you know uh right like just look at how naya treated rowan like, kind of bit assholey about it, so you know it, it's it's interesting to to watch somebody who has those kind of constraints, and we'll see how maybe she's changed with space and whatnot, and her friendship with with uh, you know Raven and Mori and everybody else. Um, I'm really interested in that whole dynamic. Like, like I bet these are her first friends. Pro- probably, <laughs> like these are probably the first people that like she didn't manipulate for something unless we're wrong and she's a shady bitch and like fine fine like at the end of the season you're like it was echo the whole time (laughs) yeah yeah the surprise test again surprise so i mean well um i mean space crew is the dynamic i think i was most excited to see um prior to this season um because of the mixture of people that you've got there grounders and sky crew um, and then you've got Bell and me and Murphy together. You've got two couples. You you've have Amori being adorable. I mean, you've got Raven in the midst. I mean, Amori. I mean, we like just appreciate she's, she's how Amori is like always into tech. She's always been kind of a throwaway character for me. And then, like within two minutes of, of the the premiere, I was like, okay, I love you. So here, <laughs> I love here, you lots. Here's my question, and I know that this is a terrible thing. So if she spacewalks. How did they build a glove for her? With lots of duct tape. Okay. You're awful. <laughs> ableist. I'm not trying to be ableist. I'm just like, did they build her like a mitten? Is it just like a stump because it was going to be too hard to like get something that articulates? Does her claw articulate? Like, can she grip stuff? Like, oh, is it useful? Is it this- pinchy? <laughs> All right. With that, we're moving on to Bunker Crew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Bunker Crew is the least. I don't know how to express this. I am not looking forward to learning anything about Bunker Crew. 
Really? Like, I feel like the... the... Joe has the exact opposite. You have, like, a big fat, okay, yes. I am so reticent about this. I am blood sported out with this show, guys. I just, I feel like I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't. I care less about the blood sportedness of it. Like, that's just just kind of the empty calories of it. Well, a yes. Well, yeah, that's that's one thing to be excited. I've been for. waiting. I mean, that's like there was a whole yeah. thing on Reddit where someone was like, "They've already had cannibalisms," and everyone else jumped on the thread and was like, "Listen, the Reapers that didn't count as cannibalism, okay?" Yeah, like, they were people. Yeah, like whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Wait, From did you say Reapers are about, people? About yeah. ableism. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> 180 to like okay I this said is how that you specifically to to get a rise out of Shaheen. <laughs> this is how you view people who are under the influence. Jen hates people who have drug addiction problems. But Just she say will, no, kids. She will rush to the defense of anyone with look, a lobster claw. Look, you were kids. so selective. What partial? You were partial, Jen. I am partial. Look, kids. If anybody comes to you with with the marijuana, take it because free take drugs. Take it, and I will. I will take Send it, it but to give Jen it to for me. Safe dis- give disposal. it to me for safe disposal. <laughs> In my lungs. Listen, kids, if someone tries to give you drugs, take them and give them to an adult because it's a lot harder to buy drugs as an adult. Send yeah, them to <laughs> Dot com. Uh, actually, kids, if you've got a hookup, call, call me. <laughs> give me the digits. Oh, man. Okay, okay, so you're so... excited about cannibalism and what? No, I'm excited about cannibalism and I'm excited about how we like you like they've been God damn it, I'm excited to see what Jaha fucks up. You know, everyone's like every, all the people who have seen these four episodes have been raving about the second episode and I'm dreading it because I'm like, "Oh, I can't do more blood, y'all. I just can't. I can't do this blood sport shit again." Um, it just feels, I don't know, it's, I, I hope I am pleasantly surprised. I hope that there, the, the explanation for whatever this Hunger Games thing is in the bunker, I hope that it's a good enough explanation, and by good enough I mean, like, it seems like there's a lot of explanations where I'm like, yeah, it seems like it didn't have to be so grotesque and, and ridiculous. But there might be some explanation where it's like, yeah, violence was unavoidable. People were already at each other's throats. And uh, Octavia just found a way to regulate this. That's an explanation that I like. But if it was just like, oh, we realize we need to like have fewer people in here. So let's kill each other. I feel like it has to be bigger than that. So first of all, everyone noticed from the preview that Octavia said too many people. Like, talk about a fucking throwback to Allie. Yeah. On that one. Like that right there. I was like, mm hmm. Um, but to have uh, whether or not it's okay, let's say that there are a thousand people. Like I know that there are 1,200 spots, but just because I'm, you know, bad at math or I'm lazy or whatever. So we have a thousand people, and you would have to, like, unless there's really good refrigeration, you would have to, like, figure out how many people you would need to kill on the regular in order to then feed and support a a group of people, but eventually you might reach a point of equilibrium where your farming can then support the dwindled number of people that you have left. Like, or is it that this is how you solve conflict? This is how you deal with, like, is it, is it punitive or is it, um, 
is it food? Right. Is it both? What, if, what so, if they use it as cover for food? I listed six six explanations that you know they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> okay. On Reddit, and there was a discussion, and everyone said it's all of the above. But, <laughs> and you were like, that wasn't one of the choices. Yeah. Well, so like one is that it's a, there was already conflict. People were right. People realized that you know food is rationed and everything is rationed water air whatever and they got violent and they started killing each other and then you know they said okay so we're gonna have this be regulated so like you just kill each other to for food but like in, the, in an arena or whatever or something like that um and then the other the other story is that we, they just needed to quote unquote you know thin the herd you know um they just needed to have fewer people um but it would be kind of a waste if you didn't eat the people, right? I mean, maybe they are eating them. So that's the other thing is, like, they're they're eating them. That's, like, cannibalism. That's Like, what if, what if the conflict is created um, intentionally to give them a cover for basically what they need to do is harvest bodies for food. And they don't tell anybody where the Where the eating. dead go? Like, it's Soylent Green. Oh, yeah, so where they're they like, wow, they're this recipe. Yeah. So they don't know that they're cannibals. So, so what do they think they're doing? People. Wait, so did you guys see the preview, the little the little cabbie snippet scene where yeah. um, they basically, that's when they find out that they can't get out. And so are they lying to everyone for five years or is it, you know, we can't support you for as long as it's going to take. So only the strongest should be able to make it out of the bunker when we finally do get to open it up. Like, I, again, we, we can... I think, I, I think it's going to be like, Octavia is going to have, be backed into a situation where it's going to be a Jaha scenario. That everything that Jaha has done in the past, his decisions, his, his not being transparent with people... She's going to be forced to do the same exact things. I think that's what they're setting up. That's why I'm like, they could set up these grounder games and it'd be a front for basically Soylent Green. And they don't tell people that the little eating people. the little squares of nutrition they are getting is actually people. And how many people know about that? Like how many people? Exactly. Like how many people are involved in the production of Soylent Green? And, so, and do those people get uh, killed they if they start asking too many questions? What do they Wait, think? Sorry, what? what do they think they're doing? I, I I don't know. Like I feel like we're just sort of super duper speculating on this, and we like won't this know. is a way to that the way to solve conflict in the bunker is going to be you know to the death. Because um, I think we also forget that like us not killing each other for entertainment and sport is very recent. And even then, like I mean, even we're still even into now, it. we're like we're football, you know, it's, MMA, it's, it's, like it's anything. NFL draft weekend. Yeah, people are like. So that's another theory is that it's just for entertainment, which you know I wouldn't really be happy with that. With I wouldn't that, be that happy kind with of thing. it. But I, I hope there's a deeper explanation, or I mean, even if it's yeah. like a way of cr- eliminating criminals, it's just you know you know it's, that doesn't explain the method. It explains why they want to kill people, but doesn't explain why it has has to be so primitive. I think, given the cheering and stuff that we saw, there has to, it has to be some sort of an like an entertainment aspect to it. I think that that has to be like part of it, yeah, which is I mean, kind of dark. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could. I mean, 
I could see, I mean, they keep saying that Octavia is going to take a dark turn this year. But when they say take a dark turn, they could mean really, really dark. Yeah. Like, she actually kind of maybe revels in this. Um, That's the thing. Does she fall into it or is it... I don't An know. Act. I mean, it's so weird. Um, I, that's that's why I'm just like so conflicted with with what's going to happen in the bunker and whether or not I actually want to see really bad shit go down. I mean, one of the adult crew is going to die, right? Well, I think Jaha's dead for certain. Do you think um, it'll be this episode, or do we think that he? I, I don't remember the filming schedule stuff. Like how he long might get, he might get a couple episodes, but I just I just don't see him. I don't see him outside of like initial counsel uh, to Octavia and kind of realizing that the sins of 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 Jaha will be repeated by her. I don't see what what more he brings to the table for the rest of the season. Um just from a a character standpoint. I think he served his his purpose. Yeah. Um as both kind of a mentor to to um to Clark and Octavia in probably some very, very different ways. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, ugh. I mean, everyone was losing, all the reviewers were losing their mind about the second episode. So I'm hopeful that again, much like my hopes for Elegius and my hopes for Becco, that the writers have sort of, I hope that they have outdone themselves this season. Well, and do you think that they're, they're, they're losing their mind because they reveal to Bellamy that Clark is still alive this episode? Maybe. I mean, do we, I mean, but some of the reviewers that I follow, like, like Selena, for example, is fairly measured and is, she, you know, I didn't ask her about on the pod, but like, she kind of keeps her anything beyond Max and shipping to be sort of, uh, you know, fairly low key. And so um, I don't, think so like given how excited she was about the episode i can't imagine that it would be like super balarky speaking of selena uh uh-huh. listen to our two-parter interview with her <laughs> on declareshenanigans.com no yes. no no <laughs> yeah, declareshenanigans.com. no this no, is may we geek again the best written word that adina porter has ever seen <laughs> so on soundcloud may we geek again listen to our interview with selena it was awesome it was like four hours long. Yeah. It was the longest thing of my life. It was great. We'll have her back again. Anything else about the bunker? Um, Jen hates it already. So I have a, I have a, like, this, this can be like a segue to Will actually. Yeah. Because yeah. like, okay, so this is something they should have seen coming. Like the, the rubble issue. And yeah. Like the, the temple is going to like collapse on them. Like, they should have just, like, torn down the, the temple. The temple before it happened? Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the weird thing. is like, they're only one way in and out of this bunker. Like, uh, this is bad planning. Yeah, like, to be like, well, let's just leave it under this, like, rickety stone whatever that hopefully won't... Like, this drywall from, you know, <laughs> 1948. Yeah, um, yeah I have... I, yeah. Monty, Mon- it's Monty's fault. Monty Wait, is a terrible Monty's engineer. Fault? He wasn't even there. He was. He was in ja- charge of the Jaha's whole. It's Jaha's fault. Jaha's this is why an Monty wasn't on the list. Monty discovered <laughs> the bunker. Monty was in charge of like the the uh, the hydroponic farm and all of that. But Jaha is also an engineer. Yeah, I mean it's his fault too. 
But he yeah, was but like he, being like a prophet and shit. But he, <laughs> he was busy like he was busy with his Jesus sandals. Yeah, with his yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, like that was definitely either that or you at least like sort of build a frame of something very strong around the bunker thing so that you know you can always maybe get out. Yeah, I don't know. It was a poor choice. Yeah. Poor choice on their part. And so, yeah, that goes into my, well, actually, on the other hand, uh, I feel like Clark was like, I could dig for years and never reach that door. It didn't look like that much rebel. I mean, I mean maybe maybe it would have crumbled a couple more times, but like you can get out of you can get. I that think out. that her digging for years was that she could dig like dig and dig and only be able to move the smallest of rocks, but no matter what, she would never be able to like move the biggest ones. Well, she needed she needed some tools to break up the big rocks and the small rocks. Perhaps a pickaxe and some sort of sonic boom, something, something. Yeah, I feel like maybe she's given up a little too easy. I mean, Clark, uh, try hard, lazy. Clark, lazy, lazy. Yeah, I mean, like, we see what happened in the after the apocalypse, the second apocalypse. She just becomes lazy, probably just watching Netflix, <laughs> watching Netflix, hippy dippy camp, eating eating weird berries. fish from the, from the river, dyeing her <laughs> hair. What is you know like? I mean, really, honestly. It's like oh, I can't shit go together, out. I can't dig my mom and my people out of Did the Did you even love them, Clark? Tonight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everything about Clark is the worst. Hey, do you guys think that Clark is going to get tortured by Elegius? Yes. Uh, in, a, I mean, in a in a mirror of what they of did Lincoln. to Lincoln. Well, they show her with a collar on, so yes. Yeah. I'm into it. For sexual reasons or, no, or story just, parallel reasons? Uh, story pal- parallels. And, and plus, she hasn't like gotten beaten up, right? Too bad Clark has it too easy. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's dying her hair. Hello, you have like, you have time to be time. tortured. If you it's have about time, time to, to torture her, it's like when I was a little kid and I wanted to stay home from school, and my mom would always say, like, you know, if you're sick enough to watch TV, or if you're well enough to watch TV, you're well enough to go to school. And I that's was, a bunch of bullshit. Hey, you don't have to do anything to watch TV, right? Like I was like, first of all, you're paying way too much money for private school. Then, like, if that's <laughs> if that's where you land on this, then that's on you. But also, you know, if you have time to dye your hair with berries, like you had time to like move some rocks also can you not like attach like a winch or something with the rover and try and pull off some of those like bits like you have Matt yeah now. or just like, like slam the rover into it or something something that's a fucking tough rover by the way speaking well that's of the thing stuff. is can we well actually the rover because it's the same rover that that clark left behind yeah because the solar panels broke how the fuck did she fix those solar panels well how? there's a solar farm that was what on are the map. wheels made out of? like what are the tires like, made out of like i don't understand like a solar farm has solar panels that are also compatible with the rover listen that, Jen. Does, that doesn't make that sense. also didn't get also, destroyed in the in the prime yes fire. also yeah. that I mean, also, like, how uh, how did she get to these solar fields from Hippy Dippy Camp? And how did they, how were they not destroyed? I like, mean, how were those solar panels from the island. smashed? She walked from the island to Polis, to Arcadia. No, she didn't walk. She walked from the island to wherever the rover was, which I'm confused. <laughs> so, remember the rover was... I love that this is little... the longest well, actually, we're ever going to have. Where we're like, well, so The listen. rover was on the other side of the, the lake, right? What happened but, to the lake monster? But no, 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 no. Remember the, 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 the stones that were stacked up? Yeah. And she... I think... Wasn't that where the... Um, 
Wasn't that where they took the boats to go out yeah, to Yeah, and where meet? they got dropped off by Luna's people as well. Why was there a rover still there? Good. Is that close to the island? Is that what we're supposed to understand, that it's close to getting to the island? Well, Lincoln's map never used actual distances, so I don't fucking know. <laughs> so I thought that Becca's island was in a different direction than where you would go to get to Luna's rig. Maybe they have, like, the same launch point proximity to one another. I just don't understand why the rover is there specifically. And how she knew that that's exactly where to dig? Like, did they, did she... I would assume that that was the rover that they left behind in, 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 like, episode 12 of last year. Um, when they're like, okay, let's get out of the rover and go to the lab. I'm assuming it, that it's she was the right. rover. That's what I think. And that yeah. should be on the other side of the lake, which yeah. should have nothing to do but with... But there's there's no with... lake anymore. There's no nothing anymore. Right. Um, but it shouldn't have anything to do with Luna. But that's but, but, the, but that's where her Luna's stones were stacked up next to that rover. So I'm just confused as to... If the if this was in the same like location where you go to the island and you go to the the you know you you get to the island from the same place and you get to Luna's rig maybe from the to same get place. to They're Luna's rig you take the left turn at Albuquerque yeah. and to get to Becca's Science Island you you make a right. <laughs> I thought that maybe it was a different rover that Maddie was driving, but no, I I, I watched it's Rover One. Because um, I thought maybe there was a rover left at Arcadia that they could that she could have salvaged, but no, it's the same one that that Clark broke. Yeah, I have a lot of um, questions about where that solar panels came from, but I doubt we'll get any answers. I mean, like Raven can't figure out to get back to Earth, but but Clark, but Clark is with it. with no mechanical training <laughs> knows how to fucking take solar panels from a big old solar array and and uh, reconfigure them for a rover. Yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> So if you guys don't have any other well actually <laughs> No. Um yeah. TV shows? What TV shows TV are you? TV shows. Watching? Um well I I mean I, I, we always talk about Westworld on this show. Um so you know, season two premiere, big, big fucking deal. Um ah, Westworld is I mean, it it felt empty calories. It's a beautiful show, but definitely falls into the man spreading issue. Um, of just kind of this yeah. like long ass episode with like, I didn't, the people that I, the characters that I wanted to spend time with, we didn't really get to spend that much time with them. And then the rest of it was, you know, just like a lot of, just a lot of balls in the air. It just felt very unsatisfying. And I wasn't as hyped. I was less hyped about the season that I was before the episode aired, which is probably not great. Hmm. Did you, did you watch? You guys both watched, right? Um, yeah. I gave up on Westworld you know towards the end of season one it was just too many uh, people with unknown motivations i didn't know what i was supposed to think humans is a better <laughs> synthetic humanoid AI i'm definitely story. i'm gonna recommend humans and the expanse um and i have to catch up on the expanse and the first yeah. two three episodes were on uh we've seen three right jen yeah. Um, yeah, they've been excellent. So you yeah, have to catch up on that. You guys should catch up on that because we're gonna do podcasts on them during the hiatus. Yeah, we'll talk more about the expanse. We'll get into and, humans and humans sure. and humans. So, yeah, that's gonna be. But if you like Westworld and want a story that actually does some really good character work in a satisfying way, check out humans. 
Are there are, are there gay people on there, Joe, that you like? On humans? Yeah. Uh, there is a gay storyline that happened. It's like a B plot line, but they actually handle it very, very, very well. Okay. Why? Because that's my brand. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of your brand. Is there gay like, shit? Yes, of course there's gay shit. Is there gay, gay shit? shit? But there's no like gay it. shit in the first season, um, and I was still wildly compelled by all your het shit. What are you watching, Jen? So I'm going to recommend a show on BBC America called Killing Eve. It starts. It stars Sandra O. Oh. Um, is it bingeable remember. or is it episodic? Um, it's episodic right now. Okay. Um, going into the fourth episode, I believe. I'm trying to trying to remember how many killings there have been to um, gauge how many episodes there have been. Yeah. So I think it's going in the fourth fourth episode. So it's, it's got Sandra O. Oh. Um, as you guys might or may not be aware of, she was on Grey's Anatomy for a long ass time. Um, and there's, there's certainly, there's just not enough, um, Asian, uh, characters on TV as, as it stands, but she is excellent. She should be in everything. Um, she brings like kind of a a wry Whitney humor to this show as she did, um, Grey's Anatomy. This show is kind of weird, um, because it does, it is kind of strangely humorous um but it deals with um sandra plays a uh, an mi6 agent um in the uk who is tracking a female assassin Ooh. If, and the female assassin becomes aware of um eve which is is sandra's character's name and becomes obsessed with her um, so I think there's going to be, there, there's already been some kind of like weird psychosexual undertone to it already. Um, so you might like it a little bit, Joe. Um, yeah, gay shit? Um, well, spoiler alert, uh, the killer, the assassin does, um, seduce another woman Ooh. and makes her dress in Eve's clothes. Oh, so um, we're getting some weird shit. Some weird gay shit. You know, the- you really don't get like, we've kind of moved away from like the creepy lesbian because like for a while, like the creepy lesbian was like this like very negative, um, like all lesbians are creepy trope. And so we mm-hmm. needed to move away from that. But I'm glad that we can come back to say, listen, there are some creepy lesbians. Well, it's not. I don't think that she's a. I don't think she's sorry. A just some creepy gay I, shit. I I don't know if she's gay or straight. Um, but I think she creepy. is whatever she needs to be for her job as an assassin. But she, her character alone is fascinating. Um, her handler, he is a fascinating character. He's kind of like a a father figure almost. And I really like him. I'm like, you handle a monster. Um, but I dig everybody in the show. Everybody is really well cast. Is it slow? Um, it's like it's a got typical... a weird vibe. It's not slow. So it's, it's, it's not too slow. It's not like watching The Fall or whatever? Or No, I mean, uh, like, it sets things up um, in the second episode to go after this this assassin that, that other people don't believe in, in MI5 don't believe exists. Ooh. So... Uh, so Eve joins MI6, uh, a little, a little splinter group of MI6 to go after her. Um, and it's just fascinating because, um, the assassin starts using Eve's name, um, as a cover. Is there cool spy shit? Um, cool spy shit. Um, I mean, you've, like, is it going to be like the professional? Like, is this going to be like. She's, she's a very interesting killer. She kills with flair. Basically, Ooh. she like takes, yeah, she's, uh, she takes kind of, 
I think more creative freedom than her handlers would like. Um, but like there's the task force trope of everybody coming together to, you know, Eve gets to choose who she wants to work with to, to find the, the assassin. Um, so it's, it's just a really cool show. I didn't expect it to like it as much as I did. It has a kind of a weird, funky, funny tone, um, do, while still being very, uh, serious. Do you know how many episodes there are going to be? Like, is it worth waiting? Right. Like, I is there going to be... <laughs> We've been talking about Killing Eve for Oops. a long time. All right, fine. All right. All right. Probably All right. like eight or six or eight. You know how you <laughs> yeah. know how BBC do. Where they're like, hey, you like this show? Yeah, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> you can wait for five more years for season right? two. Oh, you were getting into this? Yeah, we're done now. Bye. <laughs> Anything Bye. else, guys? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, nope. uh, come yell at us, as Joe would say, on Twitter at MayWeGeekAgain. And... The Hunter's back! Finally, know, we're Jesus be here Christ! Every week now, so tune in next week and the next week after and the one after that and all the way to thirteen weeks. Um, is that right? I think so. Episodes? It's thirteen this yep, time. Yeah, thirteen all right. episodes. Yep. All right, guys, take it easy. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect.